Hello, and thank you for listening to Potential Health Podcast. My name is Rosie Piercy. I'm a chiropractor and clinic director, and I find the subject of health fascinating. In this podcast, every fortnight, we'll be discussing health from a different perspective. I hope you enjoy. Hello, welcome to Potential Health Podcast. My name is Rosie Piercy, and I'm here today with Ben Frederick. Hi, Ben. Hi, Rosie. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Actually, this is a complete lie. We've both got sore throats because it's December. Yeah. And we're not feeling... Well, we're not feeling ill. We've just got that sore throat thing that's going on. Oh, no. I am feeling ill. (laughs) Okay, Ben's being a a very brave person to do a podcast. (laughs) Oh, very brave. And I also have to say thank you for Ben because this is the second time we've done this because I accidentally lost about 20 minutes of the last one in some kind of editing nightmare so thank you Ben for coming back on the podcast with me no problem at all Um, happy to talk to you for an hour (laughs) (laughs) but not for an hour and 10 minutes not for an hour and 10 minutes so that'd be dreadful so um, Ben you you do neurokinetic therapy Mm -hmm. what is that? so neurokinetic therapy is just a simple way to manipulate something called proprioception within your body that's uh, how is that how our joints move or the, so proprioception is just body awareness so okay. for example like when you're treating someone for example okay. chiropractics if someone had misalignment of their pelvis mm-hmm. they aren't aware they have misalignment no. of their pelvis because if they were they'd correct it themselves you'll right? find they like lie on the bench and you're like are you lying straight yeah, and they'll and say they yes that they're straight. and their like legs are completely to one side yeah so that's basically proprioception mm-hmm. like we always think that we're straight everybody believes that they're straight otherwise yeah. if they've felt wonky then they correct themselves yeah. right so it's kind of my job to manipulate that to get them back to a central position and that's all it is but reality is the cool thing kind of in a way is let's say you have back pain and you've got complete misalignment of your pelvis it's shifted one position it could be because of your feet it could be because of your head um, and so we kind of look at everybody as a whole as opposed to thinking all right, this person's got misalignment of their pelvis, let's put their pelvis back into place. Which is essentially what we're looking to do, but it might not always be the pelvis. But you're looking for like, so it's in a, in a way I often think, and we've discussed this before, haven't we, that in a way chiropractic and neurokinetic therapy, we have a similar outlook. In, yeah. Even if people come and say, my back hurts, mm. we often won't just focus on the back. You know, no. we look at everything to see what's yeah. causing it. But obviously I think we correct it in different ways so I'll often use adjustments yes but you don't do like a, a handle adjustment no, in that way no I mean um, so with neurokinetic therapy as well to do with proprioception we're always looking to to even out mobility and stability mm-hmm. so it's kind of like yin and yang I don't know why I have to do hand movements when talking about this because obviously no one can see me talk um, you know like, but it helps. you're always like, looking for yeah. balance yeah. so a joint could have too much mobility in one sort of plane of motion but too much too little stability in another and you're just looking to even that out there'll be the same amount of mobility and stability throughout the body it's just how it's dissipated is is the issue so you know i've treated people with hypermobility before that been able to dislocate both their shoulders and both their hips almost at will which isn't great but they have to have stability somewhere they won't be able to stand up Mm. um so a great example of that is this year i was treating someone who could dislocate both of her shoulders Again, she was starting to do some weight training and each time she just couldn't stabilize like a row because her shoulders would just dislocate. 
And her spine was just the most rigid spine ever. Like all the muscles that stabilize her spine were just so, so rigid. So basically what we had to do over our sessions was uh, mobilize her spine, give her plenty of mobility exercises for that and create stability at her shoulder joint. So just creating stability in that scenario at her shoulders would have not been enough. And that's obviously what she was looking to do, but we had to find where it was that she was overstable. And that's the case for anybody, no matter if they're hypermobile. Because otherwise you get people who are like half better. Yeah, almost. <laughs> almost. <laughs> Not quite. It's just uh, trying to exaggerate the point that no matter how mobile, flexible you fit may feel, there will be other areas that have to be overstable because they have to be. It just otherwise you wouldn't be able to stand up if you had no stability. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. It does. I guess I have that sometimes when people like maybe I'll treat them for neck pain. And as their neck gets better, their back starts hurting. Yeah. And they'll go, oh, yeah, I remember, like, years ago before my before my neck, hurt, my back was really bad. Mm. And it will be that they've stopped using their back to turn, so they're using their neck to turn more kind of thing. And so well, we're, use- we're very good at monotasking, aren't we? So we're very good at... It's like anything in life. If you have a problem and then a bigger problem arises, you focus on the bigger problem. And then when the bigger problem might be resolved, the problem that seemed minuscule in comparison to the big problem is now a big problem because it's bigger than other problems you may have. And it's the same with pain, essentially. Yeah. Is if one area of pain is yelling the loudest, that gets all your attention. If that becomes resolved, things that perhaps are taken a back seat become unearthed. Exactly. Yeah, so you kind of have to work through the system. So how... What do your patients have to do? Do they have to do exercises, things like that? So when uh, people come in, they always have an initial consultation where we have to go through all of their medical history just to make sure there's no red flags and nothing that I can't treat or nothing that they've that seems a bit sinister to me. Um, and then we have to go through a complete evaluation of history of injuries. So that's basically going through almost every joint in their body and asking if they've ever had tears or breaks or ligament issues or, you know, like, headaches or jaw pain or dental work or surgeries because all those things your nervous system will hold on to it's almost like when we're born like little babies if you watch babies develop they're quite like uh very good with movement obviously like babies can sit in a squatted position for hours on end and it's no problem whereas when we get older because of injuries uh things start to deteriorate a little bit and we get stability in places perhaps we shouldn't but that's to deal with injuries essentially the problem is if you like say break your ankle and then you shift your weight let's say you broke your right ankle and then you start shifting your weight to your left hand mm-hmm. side when the ankle at all it takes motor control wise for you to ingrain that as a pattern it's pretty quick it's in like two to three days of you walking by weight shifting everything to your left your body's going to pick that up as a pattern of walking and then when the ankle is feeling better on the right-hand side, your body's not automatically just going to go back to weight-bearing properly on that right ankle. It's now developed a new pattern, so it's my job to kind of unravel those things. It's kind of like undoing a ball of wool to get yeah. to the... the so, so, so like like onion layers, you know, like I always think of... Onions, love like it, onion. Yeah. yeah, and you kind of unpeel one layer and another layer and another layer. And, you know, it's, it's very rare that I have someone come in, especially most of my clients are people that suffer from chronic pain, so have been in pain for a fair while. Um, they're not like sports injuries usually because usually with sports injuries you have cause and effect so if someone comes in and they've like had ligament damage to their ankle and then they've got acute pain in that area so you know it's it's painful there's a cause as to why that will be you know why it's because they've impacted it so the reality is it's going to take a while for for the tissues to heal on their own but you're going to have to make sure that that area stays as mobile as possible and you can integrate it with the rest of the system whereas a lot of people i see of what we call like idiopathic so 
back pain that they just don't know how they got it and all of a sudden like one day it started to be there and like all of us have sort of pains here and there and we almost expect them to just disappear and it's the people that it didn't disappear for maybe months or maybe years and they just and get used to having it don't yeah, they yeah they so always get like... used to having it and it's kind of trying to find the solution to it rather than just their backs their back but so with my clients as well I usually work with people for a minimum of five sessions after consultation and then they have to be dedicated to homework. So the hour spent with me is not a lot of analysis, a lot of questions, a lot of testing. We do do some soft tissue work and some stabilizing work. Uh, but so then what's the stabilizing work that you do? So then? it's back to, back to that whole yin and yang mobility and stability. So I'll never give mobility to an area without providing stability to it immediately after. So if I were to do a release on say someone's hip and I found that their hip was dominant over say their glute, then we'd immediately do stability work on the glute after, trying to change the way that they patterning movement within their body. And that's kind of what the homework's based on. So is would that well. be like, sort of like glute strengthening exercises? Is that, is that like a stability thing? Yeah, it depends as well on the client. So obviously some people need very gentle stability exercises, one, because they're in so much pain and they can just do it uh, super, um, so let down or something like that. Uh, and you know you don't want to get them too much further than that at this point but other people might have a mild pain and you can get them doing stabilizing moves in a stood up um so it depends on the, how far so do you often have like a progression of starting with them yeah, lying down usually maybe sitting progressions standing that That's kind it. of thing yeah. we, we tend to look at sort of all areas so no two sessions are the same essentially so for example if if we found that their hip and their glute were the problem one week we'd assess that we'd work with that then next week we come in, reassess it, have things changed. If they have, great. If they haven't, we have to keep up with those homeworks, but then we'll look at another area. The thing is, everything's so vast. So in a way, we're almost trying to take on the approach that anything could be the cause of your problem, which is great, but then it's like literally anything could be the cause of your problem. So uh, there's plenty of things to sort of tick off. So I spend a lot of sessions just talking to myself kind of like no that's not the issue that's the issue or this is the issue so I don't know if people find that amusing or highly irritating but uh, yeah so I mean for example like about two years ago now I treated a woman mm-hmm. that had had left hip pain for 22 years and it came down well whether it was a, an amalgamation of all of our treatments that we did but in a tenth around a ninth or tenth session we found that a muscular pattern in her eyes or extraocular muscles was the cause, not necessarily of her hip pain, but of instability in her hip. So she couldn't control movement well whenever she'd look to her right-hand side. Mm-hmm. So basically what we did is we, we released the muscles that control eye movement. So how do you do that? Taught, so there's six extraocular muscles around your eye. Mm-hmm. It depends on which direction is causing the dysfunction, but you can use a cotton wool bud to release the muscles. So oh, I've never done that. Yeah, it's quite cool. Yeah. Um, but it's it's... So there, there can be plenty of reasons as to why someone might not want to look to say their right hand side and it's not all to do with muscular stuff but in the occasions that it is, my approach will work for that but you can't really say without seeing someone. Obviously if someone has astigmatism that's going to be something that you can't resolve necessarily mm. and it's not about changing people's eyesight, it's about changing how well their um, peripheral vision is. How well they're scanning. And- yeah, so in the simplest sense, if someone came in and their head was always to the left-hand side mm-hmm. and they believe that to be centre, then their eyes are always going right because yeah. your eyes will always go forward. You know? They're always looking at horizon, yeah. aren't they? But then you've always got muscular patterns within your eyes yeah. in the sense that if your eyes are going forward and your head's turned left, then your eyes are going right. Mm. So the muscles that move your eyes right are going to be compressed more than the muscles that move your eyes to the left-hand side. 
And then in a simple sense, if the eyes are the major thing, if you sorted out the muscular pattern, say in the, the eyes that were overworking to look into the right, mm -hmm. then it could just change everything in center. However, it can be the neck is the thing that's driving that. You know, it's just it's or just, you might have all two yeah, and maybe a bit of a jaw DMJ both. It could problem. Be both. Going you're kind of yeah, exactly. So you're kind of like trying to cross off everything. There's yeah. never usually one major thing. But with this particular lady, when we did her eye work, she had like a pain-free Christmas for the first time in like 22 years. That's quite amazing, isn't it, really? Which is pretty cool. And she um, must be really happy. She was very happy, but, you know, she did her homework. She did everything I'd asked It's not an easy fix. It's not no. like an easy fix, And it had taken us a long time to get to that point. Um, but there's a solution often. I mean, often, I, I often do think, not always, but... You know, obviously there are people that have structural issues. So if you've got a steel pen pin in your leg, mm. I wouldn't necessarily say that there's nothing that can be done, but there'll be a limitation to what can be done. Yeah. But if you've just got functional issues, so you've never had any metal work put inside you or, you know, any, uh, well, yeah, in the main, just operations, then there, there's definitely options to improve people's movement and pain a lot of the time. But then nutrition and your psychological state will have a huge impact on both of those as well. They're kind of a trifecta of things. But in my, in my approach, the main thing is I don't really care where someone's pain is. All we want to do is get them stacked up perfectly as best that they can do into a central position. And I guess, to do. I guess if you're dealing with chronic pain, which generally is pain for more than three months, but obviously like in this woman's case yeah. here, it can be for many, many years. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not going to get better quickly, is it? It's not like one session. I'd say it's, it's very dependent. And also I'd say... Because basically, uh, if you've got soft tissue pain beyond six months, then it's not the soft tissue that's the issue. It's good rhyming. It's, uh, it's the fact that it's how you're using that, that's mm. that area. So, you know, it could be how you're walking, for example. It could just be something that you're doing in daily life that you just don't Laptop posture. Yeah, those type driving, of things. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's your, you're constantly repetitively straining that area. Mm -hmm. So, because the soft tissue itself, if you had an impact injury, would usually heal within six to eight months, depending. I mean, if it was a serious ligament tear, then obviously that's going to take a little bit longer. But in the main, six months maximum should be a good time for recovery. And if you're still having issues then, then it's likely that it's just how you're using the area. So the motor control, so how your brain's functioning with that area, essentially, and how you've picked up patterns. And that could be for so many reasons. And it depends really how glaringly obvious that reason is. Yeah. It's, it's very, you know, I've had people that come in and within five hours we've had, I, I've looked at them and thought, God, this is going to be so complex. And within five hours we've had them walking a lot better. They've been pain free and just life has been great for them. I've had other people that have come in and within 15 hours, it's like, oh, we, we haven't made a dent on their pain. <laughs> and I don't know why that is. And it's always, hard those ones, yeah. isn't it? I mean, I never have an ego about this stuff. I'd like to think I'm pretty good at it. But in the main, I'm always here for the client. So I don't really care how they get better, whether that's through me or if I'm not the right option. I have plenty of people to refer to that will be. But um, yeah, it's it's all about them. But I, I, I quite like the approach I've developed nowadays, which is cool. Yeah. Do you find it's... Because it. I have patients sometimes who had problems for like many many years mm -hmm. and i'll do i often say well let's do six treatments yeah and then we'll see how where we are yeah and i have some patients where i think do you know what i'm fairly sure i can help you mm. but you've had this problem for five years it's gonna take tons of treatment and i and i and i always have like a very honest conversation with patients saying i believe i can help you but it's gonna take 
a lot of treatment and they yeah. either say yes or no but some, I don't know if you have this thing sometimes where you almost because obviously we're in private health so there's a financial cost and a time cost of people yeah. coming to see us and I don't know if you ever have this sometimes where you have this conflict of going of almost wanting to go to someone I really think I can help you but it's going to take tons of treatment but I'll treat you for free because I'm just really curious to see as to whether it it will get better or whether I mean I've never done it because I don't I don't tend to do that I don't think it's a good um, I think there thing has to, to be a lot of value placed on what you do exactly and that's why I don't I don't tend yeah. to do it but sometimes I have patients where I think oh I think I could help you but I think you need to see me for a year and I've never said that to anyone because I don't ever want because realistically I can't say that if you know what I mean because yeah. I don't know no you never, you know, no one ever knows we've done I six mean, to ten treatments of research is, would say you should get better but sometimes you have those patients you think I think I could just treat you for ages yeah. and then you might get better but I don't know do you have that ever the very long winded way of saying that sorry <laughs> <laughs> the thing is with this industry it's like you know surgery supposedly is the gold standard and some people walk out of surgery and feel amazing and some people walk out of surgery and never feel worse and never feel better again like they're like, you know, I've known people that have come out of knee surgery and their knee has been worse, like a lot worse. I know people that have skipped out of knee surgery and they never thought giving it a second thought. And no one knows why that is. Right. And, you know, surgery is going to be the most important thing. So it, no one can tell somebody that they'll definitely get rid of no. their pain. Um, it's very hard to say. Like I said, I think often, 99% of the time, I'll be able to improve someone's mechanics, but that yeah. doesn't always mean that I'll be able to improve their pain. I think that's probably quite true. I think that's probably something I like it is that you get people who get better for a day or two and they fall back and get mm. better. For and then there's usually something else, like you were saying, the whole trifactor thing. You know, is it yeah. is it something psychological? Is there some other health issue underlying, yeah. or or what have you? So I think that's quite because I think we we've both spoken before about how the kind of the sort of mental side of health does play into people's pain quite yeah, a lot doesn't sure. it and I think it's something that's easily overlooked Definitely. or maybe even not the mental side but like what do they call it? like the, the psychosocial factors so mm. you know have they got incredibly busy family life are they working a zillion out. hours a week are they stressed or are they working a zillion hours a week and really happy with it they don't care yeah. you know it's it's interesting how different people's lives and coping methods mm. impact on their physical pain well I would say with all the approaches whether they're or every approach I've looked into anyway, is at the end of the day what they all come down to in the main is is moving better, you know, like attempting to move better. No matter if you're very scientific or very unscientific, people can all agree that the more you move, the likelihood is that you're more likely to be in less pain. That's true. Than the less you yeah. move. So uh, that's, that's kind of, my whole approach is very movement-based. I mean, I do do some couch work, but in the main, it's all very movement-based, which is cool. It's fun. It's, uh, it's really interesting when you see certain things happen, like you say, with the eyes and people's hips unravel or when you sort someone's feet and their neck feels incredible. That's How do patients cool. feel when you say, I'm going to come at you with this cotton bud? Well, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stick it I in think, your eye. I think early days, I was quite like tentative about it all, but I mean... I've looked into a lot. I've seen a lot of stuff happen in clinic and I'm all pretty uh, pretty confident with it all now as to, to what I'm doing to them or what I'm trying to help them with. And I think explaining it to people is is that they're going to trust in you as long as you explain it to them in a way that they're going to understand it and see the relevance. Because obviously when I first qualified in all of this, it was kind of like, I'm going to go at your eyes with a cotton wool bud. And they'd be like, why? I'd be like, I have no idea. I thought and I saw it was cool. Yeah, yeah and it's it kind really of like... Works. Whereas now you just explain to them how like your eyes will basically control how you centre your body. 
because it, no one stands up skew with because they they think they're skew with their body's obviously adapted in a certain way and it can sometimes be because their eyes are giving them faulty information as to where they are in space um, and once you start to explain it by that it doesn't matter if they've got knee pain or ankle pain they're like oh that makes sense and then you 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 almost have free roam of what you want to do um, and not that I just go around poking people in the eye of cotton buds for my own uh, own amusement but no I mean it's, it's often I just explain to them why, why we're looking at these certain areas and I think a lot of people get it you know I think the more people I see the more people understand that they're not just an elbow or a back or and a... I think people like that approach yeah. don't they of, because it was um, and walking watching us walk is quite a big thing for you yeah, yeah where we are at Total Health we often have um, Ben opens his door and people walk up and down and they always make the same jokes they always say oh I'm sorry oh, oh they're used to this or, and, and in the receptionist always say oh he's always doing this but <laughs> what's more funny is when you're there when I'd be sitting sometimes on the, on the reception desk doing something and the patient doesn't realise that there's someone sitting there yeah, and, and they, they walk up fright. and then yeah. turn around oh <laughs> some oh. strange woman sitting on the desk yeah but, um, but, um, yeah, so, so what are you looking for when you're doing that Mainly, mainly how their foot make feet make contact with the ground, and then how their pelvis reacts to that. And as well, if you see anything consistent with their head in the main, like does their head tilt to one side consistently? Because obviously, when people are walking around, they're always kind of looking around and doing things like that. But I get them to do it five, six, seven times in a row, perhaps, to see if there's anything consistent. Because basically, I, I often think in the main, and it's not always true. There's definitely cases where this doesn't reign true. But most of the time, most people's physical dysfunctions will come down to how their feet are in contact with the ground. Because if one foot's doing something different to the other, Mm -hmm. then that's going to change loading patterns up throughout their system or how their head is centrated above their body. Because even if their head's, say, a centimetre to the left-hand side, the rest of their body has to deal with that slight change in weight to the left-hand side and it has to uh, distort underneath it to deal with the weight change through the head. And those two areas, in the main, I'd say, probably 70 to 80% of the time, if you can get those two things right, and the head in the right place when walking, and making them aware of where a neutral stance is, and you can get their feet to move correctly, um, then that will solve more, more problems than it wouldn't. However, I mean, obviously the foot has, I think it's 26 joints in the foot alone. So it's hardly Quite like- complex. Yeah, it's hardly like getting them to all t- articulate at the same time in the right manner is an easy thing to do. But uh, another thing I do is anatomy and motion, which we haven't mentioned, which is basically a breakdown of the gait cycle or walking. Okay. And that kind of looks at all the joints individually and, and how they articulate with one another and how they articulate with one another throughout the gait cycle throughout walking. Uh, which is really, really useful. So I use that approach. Okay, lot, that's quite interesting. Cool. Yeah. Do you look much at leg length differences or not? No. So because it's quite because chiropractically leg length is a thing that I mean I don't look at it massively. It's something I think maybe some of us are trying to get away from because it's so subjective. That, that's the thing. I mean I always say difficult. to patients, particularly those who've been told I've got a leg length difference, and some people have, but usually I mean having a proper anatomical leg length difference where your leg has one leg has grown longer yeah. than the other is quite rare yeah and often people are aware of that or have been told yeah. that because or, they would have had it either from birth or through yeah. developmental stages 
Whereas, um, um, and sometimes you get people who've had their hips operated on yeah. and they've got a massive difference just mm. because for some reason the leg ended up longer than the other. Yeah. But I always say to my patients, well, I could, you know, because they say, oh, my left leg is longer or whatever. And you have a look and I can say, well, it looks a tiny bit, maybe less than half a centimetre. But if you've got three chiropractors in here or three people in here, you would get three different answers of the left's longer, yeah. the right's longer, and they're both the same. I tend to do all my assessing through through movement and make it through their feeling. Because at the end of the day, everything's really about how the client feels, isn't it? So as opposed to perhaps if you looked at static assessments where you'd say, oh, your pelvis is anteriorly tilted or, anteriorly til- or posteriorly tilted, so going forward or going back, I'll get someone to anteriorly tilt and then posteriorly tilt and how does that feel? And if it doesn't cause them any pain but they're having back pain, they won't necessarily strike that off the list as if there's no problem there, but I'll probably think oh, that there's bigger areas that need to be looked at first off. And yeah, so I, I mean, I do use markers, I do do static stance assessments when I feel necessary, but in the main, I try and get people to move and tell me where it hurts and can we get it to hurt less when they're moving, essentially. Because okay. I think, like you say, it makes it less subjective in the sense that really yeah. all it is is how they feel, isn't it? That's all that you're looking to change is, is how someone's pain is, essentially. So to say that they have a leg length discrepancy and then you resolve that through nothing but, like you say, just your analysis of that mm. and then they come back and there's n- no change in their pain but you might be like, oh, I think it's a bit better. It doesn't really... No, it's a bit kind of... No. No. Whereas I'd rather just see how they move. Movement's kind of my big thing, really. Movement is key. And um, you've had a bit of a, a Facebook post that's gone around I the world. A viral, a viral Facebook <laughs> Viral <post>. Ben. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was a world-renowned therapist. Um, yeah, a guy called Phil, who... Uh, it's quite funny, actually, because one of my other clients like, why don't you put up all the pictures that you have of... Um, of people because I often take pictures in their first session and then we mark it as progress but reality is you know without a keen eye on a lot of these things you might notice a slight change in like hip height it kind of would bore people pretty quick but this guy's changed and also not everyone wants drastic. their pictures also yeah not obviously everyone you've wants got their Phil's pictures. consent to yes oh yeah yeah yeah, no, <laughs> yeah he's, I mean, just he's well aware that he's world famous but um, <laughs> yeah so so with with Phil for example like it was such a drastic change and we got there pretty quickly as well for what we did and uh yeah it was just pretty incredible so thought that they were well worth posting and uh yeah got messages from south africa uh from america i had someone from new zealand contact me just uh unfortunately i can't be to all those places unless they want to play for some pain plane fees <laughs> in which case if they're listening i'm more than happy to go there but it was more just to ask what i've done um and some of them were other therapists who are in the same circles and some of them were, were people that were just needing some hope, I suppose, which is nice in a way because they're, they're going through the same thing and been told that they have no hope, which uh, is kind of sad. Do you find you get patients, because I often have patients come to me saying, I've seen blah, 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 blah. And I, I didn't want to come to a car, or maybe not didn't want to come, but mm. I, you're my last person I've come to. Yeah. Do you get a lot of that kind of thing All that they've the been time. through? Everything? I'd say that's pretty much my, my main thing. The thing is as well, like a lot of people hold on to, to comments that they've got from others uh, in, in places of hierarchy, you know. So, you know, some people will go to say their doctor or, or someone that they perceive to be in a place of knowledge and I've had people come to me and their doctors, and this isn't to brand doctors in a bad way, because obviously some doctors are incredible. It's like any profession, some are great, some are not so great. But I've had people come to me and say, oh, my doctor's told me I have a rotator cuff tear. 
And I said, how do they tell you that? Oh, they watch me do a couple of movements. And I just don't see how that's possible, <laughs> how they could tell them that. But then the client all of a sudden, or the person, not client, person, is kind of like, oh, I've got a rotator cuff tear. And that's how they start to define their shoulder issue. And that's where a bit of a problem arises because they might not have it at all. And they might have something that's relatively simple to, to, to diagnose and sort out. But instead they're kind of there thinking, becoming more and more guarded about this because their doctor told them X, Y, and Z, you know. And it's kind of, yeah, it's, it can be a bit sad sometimes. Um, but I like to try and inspire hope with people in the main. Um, obviously there are certain things that I don't in any way profess to, uh, to have cures for everything at all. But there are certain things that I definitely avoid uh, treatment wise and I'd have to tell them that. But So what don't you treat then? What's your, do you have like a top 10 or something? No, 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 nothing <laughs> like that. Going, it's, just, it's just, you know, like red flags, things that perhaps you'd find unsettling like a, uh, and, and if they haven't had them checked out, because you know, in the main, most people have yeah. been and had an MRI and an X-ray yeah. and they've got all clears on a lot of things. So you know that there's no like tumors or there's no like anything major mm. outside of their pain, essentially. Yeah. So just little things like that that they might not have checked out that, yeah. I, that would unsettle me slightly that I'd be like, oh, you gotta go get that checked out first off. But I'm, I'm always willing to give pretty much anything a go. Because like I said, I've seen some incredible things happen. And I've seen some very unmiraculous things happen <laughs> in part of my journey to this point. And I'm sure that will still be the case going forward. Uh, yeah, but um, as long as they're... And the thing is as well, in the main, mm -hmm. the client has to be willing to... The client, I, I hate that word, the person, has to be willing to take responsibility. That is their responsibility to be in or not in or out of pain, but to, to do their best to get out of pain. Because I guess you're probably like me. I mean, my appointments are 20 minutes generally. Yeah. And so there's obviously, I guess like you, you do your best in 20 minutes and do as much as you need to do to the person at that time. But yeah. most people's problems are not going to be solved in the few times they see me. No. It's because they're, it's, it's the stuff they, they do, do whether that's the exercises or things like, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if you find this, but... Um, I see a lot of people with back problems or neck problems or headaches from laptop use yeah. because they're sitting with a laptop on their lap or on their desk and I'm like, go and buy a riser yeah. and a keyboard because that will like make a massive difference. And if you don't do that, then we're going to be treating you for ages because you're doing the thing that's upsetting it all day. Definitely. So it's like, do you yeah. find the same thing is that people have to commit to doing not only for treatment, I always say to, to it's everybody, not just that they have to take their responsibility for their exercise yeah. and what have you. I always say to everybody like, you know, there's only so much we can do within an hour and we might be able to, to sort things to a point, even within that hour, make some pretty decent changes. But if you then go and do exactly what you've been doing the, the up until this point, then it's all just gonna unravel and come back. I mean, in the main, what I try and get people to do, because I completely understand that there's a, a realistic way of, of asking people to do so much in the sense that they're not gonna change their job, so they're not gonna be like, all right, I'm quitting because my back hurts, because I'm sitting down all day, because they might love their job as well, and I wouldn't want them to do that. It's more just perhaps mix things up, like you say, change your desk, uh, take walks. I mean, one of the things that I had once, I had a really interesting case, I was working with this guy, and he had neck pain on his right-hand side. And we had worked with him for maybe like eight hours and we had done zero things mm -hmm. to help his pain. When you and say eight hours, is that like eight separate eight sessions? Eight separate sessions, yeah. Not, so like I, eight, not a I whole day do, of treatment. No, no, no. So I don't, I don't do 20 minute sessions, I do hour sessions. But um, yeah, so he had sat watching TV. It was, I'll start again. So he had neck pain on his right mm -hmm. side. And the interesting thing was, when we started talking about his habits and stuff like that, he was like, oh, you know, I'm quite active in the sense I go to the gym every night, but as soon as I get home from the gym about half past six, I literally have my dinner, 
and I sit in front of the TV and that's usually my spot for the night. And he always watched TV in the morning for like an hour as well. Mm. And then mm. he, he liked his football and, and he'd say on the weekends, usually on a Sunday, he spends a lot of time in front of the TV. And I was like, all right, so do you have like a seat? Do you have any? He was like, oh, I've never really thought about it, but I always sit in the same seat. So we just got him to like start moving around seats and start moving like, so in his living room, just instead of sitting always in one place, just start sitting in other chairs and little things like that. And then he came back about two weeks later because we had a bit of a gap between our next session. And he's like, oh, it's all sort of cleared up. So obviously that compressive pattern of him constantly, because you think if he sits down and watch maybe three, four hours of TV a day, that's four hours in which he was in almost the exact same position. Yeah. And he'd always sit in the same chair. And I think we are in the main creatures of habit. Mm. So we always do the same things. Um, like I can think of several people family-wise that have their seat at yes. home. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, sometimes that can just, little things like that can be worthwhile just mixing up. But that was quite interesting. I mean, I did nothing to help him except for advise him on that, but he was just happy to be rid of it in the end, which was good. Um, yeah, so there's only so much you can do, like you say. Yeah, and people have to kind of take responsibility for for that. And is there any particular conditions that you don't like to treat? Or what's your favourite thing? If someone comes in and says, I have blah, are you like, yes, that's my favourite thing to treat? Or lower back pain. Is that I love treating people with lower back pain. I actually feel, because it's so central, everything works around it so it's easy to analyze and see how things are articulating around that mm -hmm. things i wouldn't say i dislike anything in terms of pain um but you know like wrist and elbows there's only so many options that you'll have before you get a bit head scratchy and then often i'll refer those people out if i if i'm having a bit of a hard time with those but i love lower back pain because the options are not limitless in the sense but you've got so many options that can can run through the lower back that change things there that okay. I kind of find that quite easy not easy easy is the wrong word that's definitely not the case interesting um, interesting yeah there's yeah. a lot more options to look at yeah I guess yeah low back pain is something I do a lot of yeah I quite like headaches as well yeah that's one of my like yeah I mean I, I, I've, I've, it's more because people haven't well that's not true I've, I've treated maybe over the last year maybe three or four headaches um and yeah, but in the main, I think I mean, most most of the time I, I tend to get like people with lower back pain or people that just get pain upon walking or running, but no other time, because obviously that's quite, that's kind of what all I do is analyse how they walk. So uh, I tend to see a lot of runners, which is cool. I enjoy and that. do you find, because you mentioned earlier about treating with jaw, do you find that quite interesting? To jaw? Because I find jaw, or like jaws as part of problems. Yeah. Oh, jaw's incredible. So, I mean, so then your brain you've got your cerebellum that controls motor control so like little patterns of like moving your fingers and stuff and next to that you've got something called the pons so that's the brain stem that sends innovation to your jaw so innovation i just mean like signals to the jaw to move so when you're like chewing and things like that the pons send signals to that but because they're so closely linked when and you'll notice this people notice this when they go into the gym and things like that mm -hmm. when you're like uh struggling with motor control or struggling to complete a movement people will do all sorts of funny things with their face yeah. and jaw or they'll like bite down on their jaw or they'll do funny odd things with their face i always remember because before this i used to do personal training i used to have this client that every time she'd do an upright row her like lip on the right side would just go like a up. popeye kind of yeah and it's obviously like because she had she had had shoulder pain on that right side and she couldn't load it quite as well as she she could on the left and it wasn't very smooth so obviously her part of her brain was attempting to fill in the gaps of motor control for just lifting her lip 
So, because we've got so many neurons around the jaw, so it can change like everything. Like, um, yeah, I mean, years ago, one of the therapists here, Anne Marie, she had a jaw issue that basically, if she, so she had back pain, I think it was, um, and she could do a certain movement and it really hurt her back. And as soon as we got her to shift her jaw to the left, then it just wouldn't hurt. So, we just worked through some muscular patterns there and it all unraveled, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, so jaw, jaw can change a lot of stuff. Plus, it is, it is a place of tension when you're stressed out yeah. as well. You know, people always go there. Like, I see people all the time that like, like, like I grind my teeth at Do night. you grind your teeth or, yeah, clench your teeth? Yeah, or, that's it. Yeah. No, I, it's, I quite like it with... And people are always very surprised. Yeah. When you say, I'm just going to look at your jaw now. And they're like, yeah. what? <laughs> when it's on my intake form, and they're like, what's, what's that? What's dental work got to do with anything? It's like, oh, the jaw. And I always tell them that little story there that I just said. <laughs> um, but it is, it is quite interesting. Uh, yeah, I love the whole holistic side of everything like how everything can alter everything um because as well the jaw centrates your cervical spine so c1 and 2 and basically if you've got misalignment of your jaw you're likely to have misalignment of your cervical spine which in turn because in the spine for every reaction there has to be an equal and opposite reaction so then you start to build a picture of how things can become quite holistic quite quickly because if you have misalignment of the jaw then you're going to have likelihood misalignment of your cervical spine, in which sense you're going to have likelihood of misalignment of your lumbar spine. Because if you didn't have, if, if one mm-hmm. thing didn't compress at the top and then another thing compressed at the bottom, then you'd be misaligned. You, know? yeah. you, you, you lose that yin and yang, so that balance. So there has to be, something else has to happen for every reaction that has to be the equal opposite. Okay. Which is always interesting. Yeah, I guess it's very how chiropractic would think as well I guess and yeah. we tend to look it's called like a love at reactors relationships mm-hmm. and I think they are I think that is from chiropractics I think I should know that shouldn't I you sounds should. like you should, sounds really. like SOT which is sacral occipital technique oh okay which is, wow that's just fancy words uh, <laughs> <laughs> just fancy words I should throw together to make up a therapy um what was I going to ask you next so so do you find using because you've got you said you've got the neurokinetic therapy and anatomy in motion do you use those together on, on one patient on the same patient or do you use yeah. one rather than yeah, like kind of a toolbox kind of thing uh, it's I think the last couple of years I've kind of realised that I kind of need to find my own way with these things so I've done plenty of courses and each of them have been very interesting in their own little way but uh, neurokinetic therapy was one that I found really fascinating and I've, I've done my best to, to develop that as much as I can. So I, I try and assist on the courses for that every year, which is good fun. Um, but there's so much to learn with that, which is great because it is all really fascinating. And that me in motion, I took it about four years ago, maybe three, four years ago. And at the time, I don't think I appreciated the value of it. Mm-hmm. But over the last year, maybe two years, I've really, really studied it. So a guy called Gary Ward and his right-hand man called Chris, but I can't even attempt to pronounce his surname. Um, they uh, they have like a database of loads and loads of videos and that's been really useful for me since I signed up for that. Um, and then on top of that, I've just developed my own little way of, of assessing things. And then, uh, yeah, and then I also did a course with a guy called Perry Nicholson mm-hmm. called uh, Stop Chasing Pain. And he does lots of primal movement patterns. So sort okay. of how you develop walking from a baby and how you develop yeah. movement and trying to get adults to do that it's quite interesting how how poor we are at baby movements um, which is quite interesting because that if you can master those they tend to to help an awful lot with a lot of people's pain or movement problems um yeah i mean those three courses in particular ones that um 
that stood out for me but I'd done like sports massage and I'd done like the back pain level threes and fours and various other things but those three are the, the main things that kind of um spoke to me let's say and from those I mean obviously I don't use them exclusively but I've kind of developed my own little way of doing stuff and everybody's different as well for some people you kind of think right, maybe this is a bit too expansive <laughs> or maybe this won't work with this person so I'll hone in on something else I think it's quite interesting isn't it how you develop over time as a therapist or a practitioner as you pick the bits that you like to use and the tests yeah. that you find useful and then you get rid of the tests that you don't find are useful and and that kind of molds you into what well I think how you maybe treat two years ago I kind of realized that you know you're not you can't store everything in your head like you just can't no. and no matter how much I was trying to because I used to just like read loads of journals and and even though it's great because in that moment it was all really fascinating you yeah. learn a lot it didn't help you develop a solid practice it mm-hmm. just helped you have a lot of little bits that you could vaguely remember and, you know I'd be constantly reading all these different journals and different studies and then maybe about two years ago I realized all right you need to start developing something that's your own yeah and kind of you know like thinking I need to have set assessments for certain things and set ways of doing things because otherwise your head just explodes because there's because there's so much to the body and it's always changing isn't it different things yeah so you can literally be just lost in it all so uh yeah the last two years have been quite you know like i said to you at the beginning of the podcast organized chaos let's say (laughs) cool so the questions i ask everyone um what's the best bit of health advice you've ever been given if you don't move it you lose it so just move as much as possible even if people tell you that you shouldn't obviously certain circumstances aside if you break your leg (laughs) and someone tells you to rest for a little bit sure but if someone says oh you're getting too old to walk to the shops don't listen to them keep walking to the shops as much as you can because you'll regret it if you don't that's for sure and then um, the best what's the piece of health advice that you generally give your patients Um, is it the same thing or do you give something else yeah that would, that would be in the main like movement is, is part of my practice is, is essentially movement is key I'm trying to think off the top of my head I think head. it is really key isn't it yeah. it's what most of the kind of the people who I guess do like a manual therapy like the osteopath Mel and Nicole the chiropractor I've spoken to it's all and yourself it's all movement it's all staying up and about and moving because we spend so much time sitting don't we mm, we do or being still and we're, and we're not designed is the wrong word but our bodies were evolved moving didn't they and that's yeah. what we do well and it has so much um sitting too long has so much bad health benefits that's not the right word not Poor benefits, health. Yeah. <laughs> not benefits. <laughs> the opposite of benefits the opposite of benefits what, what is that we'll say consequences thank you <laughs> that'll do oh, i've lost my words um <laughs> on like your cardiovascular system and yeah. diabetes before you even get into like the musculoskeletal system doesn't it it's really important but yeah i mean it's is how long you develop or stay in one position for isn't it really that's the main thing i mean I, I get a lot of people um to do various exercises at their desk if they can't escape it and i think that's quite beneficial but it is just yeah just little movements because i mean posture is something that's banged on a lot but i i genuinely say if you sat at a desk all day you're just as likely to be in pain if you stood upright all day. It's, just a, it's the change position. in position, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's the movements that are key, which is like, say, why, why I only really assess by moving people. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so yeah, moving, keep moving, keep on moving. 
Excellent. And final question. Do you have a guilty pleasure or bad habit you'd like to share with us? A guilty pleasure or bad habit? Oh, I don't know. Well, yeah, I must have somewhere. (laughs) Um, I mean, around Christmas time, I do like chocolates. I drink a lot of port. That's a lie, actually. I don't drink a lot of port. But I have a big port collection. You have a port collection? Yeah, which is kind of odd. Every year, I seem to get bought ports. And I do enjoy them. I think what happened was, like, I bought a port... No, I, I didn't buy one. Um, I had a glass of port one Christmas, maybe about five or six years ago, and I was like, oh, I really like port. <laughs> that I was think, a mistake. Yeah, my mother-in-law, my wife, my mum, all wrote that down, like, oh, every year we'll buy them port. So I might have maybe a glass, not even a month, every other or every couple of months, and, it, and then come the end of the year, I haven't finished the bottle, so I just got, I just got a huge store of port. So, Do you have different flavours? No, I just have, like... I didn't know there were more than one flavour. <laughs> I'm now imagining you with some sort of smoking chocolate yeah, that's it. and I cheese mean, it to go with your thoughts. Well, I do have cheese with it if I'm going to... A cheese board should be... I should tell them I like cheese boards so I can build up cheese to go with the port. And you want the smoking jacket. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and cigars. So, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, I suppose so. That's a guilty pleasure. I, I like I'm a celebrity, but I don't know if that's a guilty pleasure. I'm pretty pretty open about that but as far as you don't reality, hide you're not like closet watching it or anything <laughs> no 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 as reality TV goes I, I do enjoy that pretty been lost this week without much to do on TV for that one but yeah that's me in a nutshell Rosie excellent um, well thank you so much for coming on the podcast um, so if people want to see the viral post what's your Facebook page uh, so it's Ben Fedrick Injury Therapy excellent and is that your website as well yeah, so benfedrickinjurytherapy.co.uk. It's a bit outdated, but all the contact details are right on there if anyone wants to get in touch. Excellent. Brilliant. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on. It's been really interesting. No problem at all. I'll <laughs> see you at the next one when you lose this one. <laughs> I'm not going to lose this one. <laughs> I promise. Well, we'll see. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Total Health Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you need any information or links from the show, they'll be in the show notes. And if you have enjoyed it and you're a regular listener, maybe you'd leave us a five-star review. I'd be really grateful. Or perhaps you'd share it with a friend or subscribe so you can hear our future episodes. Thank you so much. Goodbye.